0: Good morning, everyone. So my friends, last night, we, as we celebrate St. Nicholas of Tolentino, uh, his feast day is actually today, but last night we celebrated with great festivities, and we had a wonderful party in the parking lot afterwards. Um, 450 people attended Mass last night. That's why the pews are a little bit light uh, this morning, Uh, and then over 500 people of our not only our parishioners, but probably folks from the neighborhood who heard the music and smelled the food came to hang out with us, which is wonderful. So, about over 500 folks last night in the parking lot. And there was music and dancing, very old style Catholic things, meaning we partied <laughs> in the parking lot. And my friends, uh, this, this weekend I remember Father Gustino. Father Gustino is the pastor, or rector of the Basilica of St. Nicholas of Tolentino in Italy. And uh, he's an Augustinian monk, and our patron is an Augustinian monk. My friends, and for the first time in the history of our parish, uh, we have a first-class relic of Saint Nicholas of Tolentino, and it was out of the generosity of the Augustinian monks in Italy. It was five years in the making, five years to try and get this, and. Uh, it's almost miraculous that we have it because it came directly from their hands, which almost never happens with first-class relics. It usually is um, funneled through Rome, Uh, but uh, he sent it. And uh, so uh, we remember and pray for that community. Uh, This belongs to our parish now. Someone said, Father, when do we have to give it back? And I'm like, never. (laughs) It belongs to us. It's a gift from that community to ours. And uh, I also remember this time Benedetta Rees. She's in Italy with her mom. Uh, She's a parishioner of St. Michael's in Olympia. She's my friend. Um, She uh, helped to negotiate in Italian. Uh, She was translating everything, and um, she got to meet Father Gustino and win him over with her kindness, I suspect. So she also, we thank her for uh, this relic. And uh, my friends, uh, our gospel today... um, is a very practical one, and it speaks about uh, something very, very practical, an issue. Uh, What do you do when someone in your community is misbehaving? And uh, how are we supposed to conduct ourselves? What are we supposed to do in such delicate matters? And uh, to be sure, we are expected to act. However, um, we must always be charitable and humble in how we point out the failing, and uh, our second reading kind of slams at home for us. Oh, nothing but love and do everything in love. If you love and you, all the laws are fulfilled, and this is the same way we would approach um, someone in our community. And my friends, I have to, uh, you know how I am about the scriptures. We have to put this into context. Matthew's community was having a problem. This is why Matthew's discussing it. So something in Matthew's community, he's not talking about John's community, he's not talking about Mark's community, he's talking about Matthew's community, his community. Something was going on and it needed correction. And um, this is what's happening. And uh, so when we look at this scripture, we can apply it in a very universal way, but let us also remember why Matthew wrote it and who was he talking about. And uh, so my friends, in our time, we know... I know people who can be very aggressive and would sacrifice someone's good name and privacy uh, for getting their point across, meaning pointing out you're wrong. And um, being brutally frank at times uh, is often uh, glorified in our world. However, from the gospel, uh, it's, I think, absolutely clear and uncompromising. Even in the worst of situations when someone may have fallen, uh, into whatever it may be, some moral decision that's incorrect, some spiritual peace uh, that is absolutely off. Correction is done privately first. Jesus says, first go to the person who you're challenged by, whatever the problem, go to them quietly and bring it up. I think the reason why this happens is one, because today everything's gossip gossip, 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 and people will go right over to, well, it's not Twitter anymore, it's X, right? X for and they go to Twitter and they go to Snap and they post it on Facebook about everybody's business and their opinions about it. And my friends, Jesus is trying to avoid unnecessary uh, publicizing of a private matter. Why? To avoid any more hurt and scandal. Not only to the community, but to the people who are trying to work something out. We would do much better helping another to conversion and change of heart and reconciliation, ultimately this is the goal, without causing hurt and scandal to them. I think to humiliate another human person is a very terrible thing. And you're not going to achieve what you want. It's the change of heart. Most people, they get upset with someone. When I ask, what do you want? I want them to change. Well, the way you're going about trying to get to the change is not going to affect that. Let's go a different route. It is clear that we need to assist people in our community, our family and our friends, to be better, to walk in holiness, to choose which is right and just. Our first reading from the book of Ezekiel tells of God's disappointment with the leaders of Israel. They were not leading their people. And uh, as a matter of fact, they weren't even attending to those who were we considered to be lost or strayed uh, from the traditions. Those shepherds are only concerned with their the leaders of their time, they were only concerned with themselves. When you read uh, the book of Ezekiel, you find out they were gossiping, they would throw out accusations, and they distanced themselves from anyone who was considered to be a sinner. In truth, they were not helping. The Lord had a stern warning about this. He says, if I speak about wicked things and I tell the wicked one that they will surely die because of it, but you do not speak out and attempt to help them, persuade them in another way, that person who has committed the evil will die. But God said, I'm going to hold you responsible. We're not trying. So, my friends, what is the acceptable way to dissuade? First, as Jesus said, go to that person with love and charity and point out the behavior. And uh, if that doesn't work, bring others. You don't bring the others to point the finger at them and tell them how bad they are. You're bad, bad, bad. Bring the others to help you to win them over to convince them, this is not good for you. What you're doing and saying is not good. So you bring the others. And then he says, if that fails, oh, well, we have a dilemma. He says, take it to the church. Now remember, Matthew's talking about his community. You take it to the leaders of Matthew's community. The leaders, the, the church leaders. And if the person still won't even listen to them because they're you know, they're just so angry or they're just so stubborn. Um, He said, um, treat them like you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Now, the Hebrew audience that Matthew was writing to was mixed with Gentiles. Uh, So how would they have understood this? Well, uh, remember, Jesus tried to address this with the Pharisees and scribes. They distanced themselves, as we heard in the first reading. They distanced themselves from anyone that was doing anything wrong. And so on the one hand, we could Jesus says, treat them like a tax collector, a Gentile, and lead them to themselves, to their own devices. Uh, They don't get to carry on their behavior in your community, but uh, you leave them alone. But Jesus, in the other Gospels, is considered to be a friend of tax collectors and Gentiles. Here's the tension. Jesus went and ate at the tax collector's homes. He hung out with the sinners. Why? Because he would not let up. He was persistent with them, with love, trying to get them to change, trying to reconcile them with the Father. So here's the tension. His community, on the one hand, understood, well, you need to stay away from all those sinners. And Jesus is like, no, you need to to persuade them. And the only way to do that is to be with them to keep them closer and continue to talk with them. So perhaps this is one of the things we do. And Jesus reconciled many, many people to his Father. He was so persistent in a very loving and humble way, but he stood for the truth always. And we remember God does not want any of his creation to be lost, Matthew 18, 14. So uh, perhaps that very ancient adage is hate the sin but love the sinner should be our guide my friends the the other thing about the scriptures you know i like to put this in its context so we know that god is there's only one god but god is three persons i know it's like father it's eight thirty in the morning let's not go there but we need to understand this because what else, Jesus is also communicating something to us about community. This gospel is about community and what happens in the community. And Jesus says, when th- two or three of my disciples come together, there I am in the midst. And he's trying to communicate, you're supposed to be in a community. My Father and the Holy Spirit and I, we're a community. We're in communion and you're to be the same. And rightly so, Mother Church says, you know, a lot of people, when they hear this, when two or three people gather my name, whatever they pray for, and there's nothing wrong with that, but Jesus says something else in there, and he says, what you bind in heaven is, will be, what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loosen on earth is loosened in heaven. It's about judgment. You've heard me talk to you about this. People think, the Bible says don't judge anybody. That's not exactly what it says. That's not what it says. It says don't condemn them. But we make judgments all the time. I judge that I like this vestment better than the other. Right? Father, that's, I know, but I'm making my point. We do it. The scripture is about someone who's doing a bad behavior. You're making a judgment call on it. But we're to be very careful about condemnation. Leave that to the Father. In this context, what he's saying is when, because he's talking, take it to the church leaders and their decision will be true because I will be in their midst. Where two of the three of them come together, you have to connect the whole reading because people are like, no, no, it's just about prayer. No, no, it's about pronouncement. When the church makes a pronouncement, there I am, in their midst. God says, I am present when they tentatively make this judgment. Now, if the church is wrong, the Holy Spirit will come and put everyone back right. That includes, the matter, the Pope, the bishops, the cardinals, Father Mark, whatever it is, the Holy Spirit will bring it back in line. But, tentatively, when two or three of them come together and make the pronouncement, that's why he said what you bind is bound and what you lease is leased, unleashed. So it's not just about when we gather his prayer. But regarding that, Jesus didn't say where two or three gather in my brick building, there I am. <laughs> he says where my people are, there I am. That's what he means. So my friends, then as we uh, celebrate St. Nicholas of Tolentino, uh, let us be a community. Let us be united If there's a problem, let us deal with it. But do so with a charitable heart when we go about doing it. Okay? And, my friends, we remember St. Nicholas of Tolentino uh, out in his statue. By statue, we have Tolentino bread uh, that I blessed. Oh, what's that all about? So uh, Nicholas of Tolentino was on his deathbed dying, and Mary came and spoke to him. Now, I'm assuming some of the other monks were in the room because that's what monks do. When one of their monks are dying, they have a vigil, meaning they stand with candles and pray. So I'm assuming the other monks were in the room with him. But um, as the story goes, Mary appeared to him on his deathbed and said, get out of bed, go over to the table. And on the table was old crusty bread. And there happened to be a glass of water there. So our lady says, dip it in the water. And he dipped it in the water and ate it and then he was cured. From that moment forward, uh, because he was a priest, also a monk, uh, every time he went to the home of someone who was sick to pray for them, he brought bread with them and dipped it in water and gave it to them. Associated with our patron saint are 300 miracles from our perspective. One of them uh, has to do with children. 300 children were dying, and through his intercession... Uh, that didn't come to pass. They, they were very much alive. And uh, so we remember what God has done through his saint, Nicholas. And we invoke him to help us in all things. Amen.